ozone as a gas, it can be applied in lots of different ways. I mean, there's dental, there's cosmetic, there's injections for herniated discs. There's the intravenous, like you mentioned. So there's a ton of different applications for it. And medically, like I said, it's grown quite significantly throughout the last 10 years. I think, like I said, like a dozen countries to 25 or so. I'm Michael Lau, and this is the Lifestylist Podcast. My fellow humanoids, welcome to another groundbreaking episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. I'm Luke Story, and I am thrilled to bring you today's guest, Michael Lowe, one of the top dogs in the field of ozone therapy. But before he got into ozone, way back in high school, Michael worked with his dad as he developed equipment for ultraviolet blood irradiation, a little-known but incredible tool for infectious and chronic diseases. It's an old treatment dating back to the 1920s. Well, that experience planted a seed of innovation in Micah's psyche, so a few years later, he dropped out of nursing school and quit his job on the ambulance. Then in 2014, he started developing equipment for ozone therapy because there was a need for a less expensive, stable unit people could use at home. And interestingly enough, ozone therapy has a synergistic effect with ultraviolet blood irradiation, making it a natural fit for him. And today, Micah facilitates the top online education platform for ozone therapy. So I was very excited for this episode. It's number 384, Ozone Power, Nature's Oldest Medicine, and the Future of Healing. As a longtime user and fanatic of ozone, I am so jazzed to share this one with you. And by the way, you can find the show notes for this episode at lukestory.com ozone. That's lukestory.com ozone. And not only am I excited to share this conversation with you, but I'm also beyond grateful for the support from our incredibly cool sponsors. We've got getsuperleaf.com slash Luke for some Kratom action. Then we've got onit.com slash Luke to get yourself some of that alpha brain. And finally, magnesiumbreakthrough.com slash lifestyle. You're going to learn a bit more about each of them later. And I'd like to remind you that you never need to spend money to enjoy the show. It has been and always will be free. So if you feel called to give back and don't want to spend any cash, to be honest, the most meaningful way to do that is to text episodes you dig with your friends and family. It doesn't sound like much, but sharing this show goes a long way. Okay, on to the episode. Here's a few of the nuggets of wisdom dropped in this conversation with Micah. First, ultraviolet blood irradiation's history as penicillin's rival. How hemolumin compares to 10-pass ozone and how they can be combined synergistically. The extensive history of ozone beginning in 1867 and the role that Nikola Tesla played in its application to medicine. The adaptability of ozone and how it morphs depending on the ailment it is deployed to resolve. How we can balance the immune system instead of increasing its performance. The little-known dangers of low-end ozone generators. And Micah enlightens us on why ozone is safer than aspirin. Yes, it's true. Ozone's very safe if used properly. The endless applications of ozonated oil and how innovative dentists are using ozone to disrupt the industry, why it's one of the most effective treatments for herniated discs, the truth about ozone dialysis, and Micah explains the difference between EBU and 10-pass ozone therapy, and also the frustrating reason that ozone is still widely unheard of, how to supercharge your water with ozone, how ozone can heal not only your body, but also your living environment, the most effective way to get rid of that toxic new car smell in your automobile, and finally, the absolute best alternative to chlorinating your pool. And if by the end of this episode you're as curious about ozone therapy as I predict you will be, I've got two very useful links for you. 
To find ozone therapy near you and learn even more about this incredible discovery, go to drozone.com. That's D-R-O-Z-O-N-E, drozone.com. And if you're ready to take the plunge and get your very own ozone generator at home, go to lukestory.com slash simplyo3. That's simply the letter O, simply O3. And if you use the code LUKE10, you're going to save 10% off all that stuff. Again, go to lukestory.com slash simplyo3. The Simply O3 Ozone Machine is the one I use, and it's not only the most affordable and legit, but it's also very easy to use. So if you're interested in checking that out, I would highly recommend that you do. It took me a long time to find one that wasn't too expensive, but also effective and safe. And that's the one I settled on. So with that, my friends, let's go ahead and jump into this ozonated conversation with Mr. Micah Lowe. Micah, what's up, man? Great to meet you. Yeah, you too. I'm super happy to meet you in person. Yeah, likewise, man. I was stoked to see you guys on the roster for this event uh, because a couple different things. A, I wanted to just meet you and see all your stuff in person. I sell it on my website. Well, I don't sell it, but I I refer to it on my website. I validated you guys, I think, through my friend Jordan Kravitz, mm -hmm. uh, who was going through some mold stuff. And we were researching home ozone generators. And he's like, I, I talked to this guy, Micah. It's legit. They do everything right. And so even without having one, I put it on my site. So uh, some people will be familiar with you and what you do. And then I was like, voila, there you are in the flesh. Yeah. Jordan was a great connection. Uh, we talked quite a bit and he was he played me up a little bit more because he was than I expected because he's like, oh, you got to talk to this guy. That's the guy is the ozone guy, and uh, yeah, he sent you our way and a bunch of other people. So yeah, cool, he had a, cool, man. A lot of good stuff to add to my knowledge too. How did you get uh, involved in the ozone game to begin with? Yeah, so originally um, I was going down kind of the medical path, wanted to become a medical doctor, and uh, I was also working for my dad, and he was into UBI, which is ultraviolet blood irradiation. And that's a alternative kind of natural treatment as well. Very good for antiviral, antibacterial, those types of things. Um, and I worked with him for quite some time. And, you know, I was going through school and talking to a lot of the people in that paradigm. And I was also talking to doctors working at my dad's business. And I was learning a ton about the different therapies they were doing and kind of the way they thought. And then I started to ask some of those questions to doctors on the other side. And one that I remember very specifically was like, Hey, we have people with type two diabetes. Why don't we, and nobody told me to ask this, but just the paradigm change had kind of start to take place. Why don't we give them like six months of metformin, give them a lifestyle plan on like getting off of it or, you know, some variation of that. I'm not quite sure, but rather than just saying like, let's just give you metformin for the rest of your life. And then, you know, just let this take its course. And I was like, well, that was my question. And anyway, they kind of came back with, well, we don't have a cure for type 2 diabetes yet. So I was like, well, there's something wrong there. And so talking with these doctors, long story short, um, there was an issue in the market with ozone therapy that equipment was super, super expensive. And I had to work with my dad on the UBI, so I was a little bit familiar with the electronics of that. And there was a local engineer who was very helpful. And we solved some problems within the machine that were making it so expensive. So we were able to make it for about half the price. Um, got into the market and it did well and, you know, had some entrepreneurial desire. So I went with it and that's kind of how I got my start. And now we do a lot of education on ozone therapy. Wow. Cool, man. Uh, 
Was that uh, irradiate that light irradiation thing? Did it have a name? Was there a specific advice? I'm just curious because I did that the other day with, as I was telling you before recording, with methylene blue, like a methylene blue IV, and they ran it through right. this device that had, I think, UVA, UVC, and a couple different spectrums of uh, red, 660 mm-hmm. uh, nanometers, one of them. Uh, but it was, it was really interesting because basically they are disinfecting your blood. It's like an antiseptic with light, right? Like they use in water purification, they'll run water under UV light. It's one of the ways mm-hmm. you can purify water of pathogens and they can do that to your blood. And I'd heard of it, but strangely enough, never never had done it. Is that, has that evolved or something your dad's still involved in or what was the, uh, what was the, you know, the uh, protocol, I guess? Yeah, so I mean, that has its own unique history that's very interesting going back to the 20s and dealing with, uh, uh, what's his name? Morris, uh, Morris Fishbein, who was a uh, director of the AMA. Uh, anyway, but, yeah, in the 1920s, it was really interesting because he wanted to buy out this guy who was named Emmett Knott, who came up with UBI, ultraviolet butter radiation. They were treating, I believe, sepsis and some other things that were pretty severe and having really good success with it. They started with dogs and then started treating people. Um, the AMA wanted to buy the product. Uh, the guy who had developed it said no, and then they decided to crush them. So at one point it was of rivaling course. penicillin. Uh, oh my uh, yeah. God, really? Yeah, as a treatment wow. modality. You know, penicillin at the time was really good though because you know you just take it by mouth. Uh, World War II came along, so it treated a lot of infections very well at the time. But you know, UBI was kind of pushed under the bus. So anyway, uh, yeah, it's called ultraviolet butter radiation. Um, the organization that does training on that, sotmed.org. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. It kind of does, yeah. Okay. And I, it's totally going off topic. Yeah, I'm like, let's no. talk about ozone. I, Wait, I this it. other thing. <laughs> I like um, both. So ultraviolet would be a different spectrum of light than what I did, which was the UVA and UVC. So it's interesting. It sounds like it's the same principle where you're taking the blood out, you're you're exposing it to this light, and I'm assuming in an enclosed mm-hmm kind of a machine, right? And then the blood's going back in you. Is that how it works with yep. that? So you draw out 60 cc's of blood, uh, mix it with saline, and then yeah, run it through the lights. Okay. And then uh, essentially that's killing off the bacteria virus. It's going back into the body as an auto vaccine. I've been told by scientists that's that's not quite correct, but you know that's for me the easiest way to explain it. Um, but yeah, it is UVB, UVA, and UVC. Oh, okay. So I don't know if... Yeah, that's the same, the same kind of deal. I wonder if by chance... Do you know what it said on the machine? Yeah, it was the, it was like heme, hemolumen. 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 Yep. Okay, yep. hemolumen. Yeah. You know, you're familiar with that device? Yep. That's by Gene Barnett. He's a friend. Oh, so, no way, you know, really? It's a small industry, so yeah. <laughs> I mean, not a whole lot of people. I but. mean, the guy that I, I don't know, you got to be so sensitive with the, using the word cure and things like that. But the doctor that I uh, worked with on that has successfully treated 100 cases of a very prominent viral infection right now, like 100% in um, the average was in two days. It's gone doing that mm-hmm. with like two passes of this methylene blue, not just that the right. irradiation, but the methylene blue combo and all that stuff. And uh, and has incredible results with other pathogens and viruses and things like that. And I, I mean, I heard a presentation, it was just in a private uh, residence in Austin, a presentation, and I was like, I want to do that. I don't even think I'm sick, but it's just yeah. like whatever it is. But I think it was, you know, th- these types of things, right? If somebody already has a patent on the technology and big pharma can't get their gr- grubby little paws in it, then often, as you said, these things get waylaid 
out of the mainstream because they're only profitable maybe for the manufacturer of the technology and the yeah. practitioners that get trained and buy the technology and then treat um, you know, patients with it. But I'm always, I don't know, kind of a born rebel. So yeah. I want to know about what works the best, what's the least expensive, and what's the safest. Maybe not necessarily in that order, but that's kind of the criteria by which I would you know, elect to do some treatment on myself. And also the criteria by which I promote things to, uh, you know, to my audience through interviewing people like you. So I was, I was very impressed. Um, And in like measure, uh, similar things can be done with ozone, the oxidative therapy kind of potential of it. So we'll get into talking about that, but I did send, um, you know, that experience I had to a couple of doctors and they were like, oh, so it's basically like 10 pass ozone. I was like, well, I think it works differently, but the effect in a sense is the same in that you're taking the blood out and you're treating it and sort of neutralizing anything in the blood that you don't want and then putting it back in, which is um, fundamentally kind of the same, just done a different way, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, they're synergistic, so they're doing different stuff. Um, there was this company called Vasogen. Oh man, they, they went down in the 2000s and by that, I mean, they failed, but they were a venture capital and funded company that was using ozone and UBI for cardiovascular disease. Oh, wow. So really, really interesting. I think it was $200 million of funding they had that they poured into studies. Damn. So the cool stuff, the cool thing is, is they produced a bunch of process patents, a bunch of studies on ozone, UBI, and what they're good for, and animal tests and human tests and all sorts of stuff that was done you know, to the highest standard, essentially. The problem was, is they were going up after chronic heart failure stage three which is when there's been a lot of damage to the heart already. You've already had a heart attack or there's something that's, that's really happened to the heart. Um, but what happened was with ozone therapy, UBI, you're not able to reverse those effects. They were going after the big dogs, right? Because cancer, heart disease, those kinds of things, there's a lot of money in them. So if you can find something that helps it, uh, you're, you're going to make a lot of money. So this was venture funded, you know, there's a ton of money in it. And they found that it doesn't really work for chronic heart failure stage three. They found that there was some positive effect on stage two and some other stuff. Um, and unfortunately, the com- company folded. So they didn't get FDA approval. The company went under. But what we were left with were all these studies on how ozone works, how UBI works, what it does in the body. Uh, they did it even on some other diseases that weren't related to heart failure. But there was uh, some really, really cool stuff from that. So yeah, uh, basically, we found that ozone by itself is good. UBI by itself is good, but if you put them together, there's actually a synergistic effect and they're both improved, which was oh, kind of interesting. interesting. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Damn. So in the same way that, uh, some of these modalities of healing, um, are, are waylaid because of the, I guess, lack of profit. I mean, ozone is like basically electrocuted air, right? Yeah. Essentially. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's like, it's cheap. It's cheap and it's not something that big pharma again can like totally control. So I think sometimes with uh, modalities like this, they get sidelined, not because they don't work or because they're unsafe, but just because there's no kind of profit motive or that it can't be patented and, you know, just owned by a single person. So can you take us back a little bit into the history of ozone? I mean, obviously it's an element that's universal in our in our world and the air and such created by lightning and all of that. But, um, when do you happen to know, like when was the first medical application of ozone? Who did it? What were they using it for? 
And then how did it kind of get pushed into the sidelines rather than becoming a mainstream thing that every single hospital uses all the time? Yeah. So I did a kind of a dive into the history of ozone and it's very tough to tie everything together because it comes from multiple countries, multiple histories, you know, so tying it all together was difficult. Um, and I, I didn't by any means, but I found, uh, the first, um, record that I could find of ozone therapy and its medical usage, which was in 1867. It was in Germany. There was a professor. I can't remember the, his name off the top of my head, but he was saying it's good for topical infections. A lot of people think that Tesla was hugely involved with ozone therapy. Somehow he wasn't, he had an ozone generator that was good for sterilization. I think he might've to a degree been involved in the ozone oil, which is good for topical application. Anyway, 1867, first known medical application of ozone, uh, speeding up to World War One, so 1919 kind of time frame. I think that's the time frame. But yeah, in that ballpark, uh, there was a Dr. Stoker, uh, I believe, out of yeah England. Um, he was actually treating people who would get wounds, you know, and they get infected, and that's a huge problem because either they die or you have to cut off the limb. But he was using an ozone generator to sterilize the wound, which also gets rid of the infection, helps with the healing process. So a lot of lives were saved through that. And that was kind of the beginning of ozone therapy, the beginning of like um, recognition by a lot of different people for ozone therapy because they're like, whoa, that that really worked. And they didn't have the antibiotics at that point. So there wasn't an alternative, really. Um, and then I guess kind of speeding up, not a whole lot of interesting stuff happened in terms of the scientific aspects that did get used more and more throughout, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Really in the 60s, 70s, and 80s is when it started to get like a scientific foundation to it when Dr. Velio Bacci did a ton of, basically he dedicated his life to researching ozone therapy as a scientist and gave it a really good scientific foundation for a lot of other people to work off of. Uh, there weren't any countries at that time that had approved ozone therapy for usage. Uh, I think even in 2012, when I first started hearing about it, it was something like 10, and now it's like 25 countries are approving it. So, yeah, it has a pretty long history. Um, but yeah, 60s and 70s and 80s, it's really when it picked up scientifically. Interesting. Okay. And can you explain for uh, the layperson listener who's never heard of ozone except you know the ozone layer and global warming and this yeah. kind of stuff uh what what is ozone itself yeah so ozone is a gas it's o3 oxygen is o2 so it's when you take one extra oxygen atom and put it on the o2 molecule you have o3 uh it doesn't sound very different but it's very different um it's very unstable which gives it some of the properties that we like a lot of people know about it because of pollution and those types of things but that's a whole different ball game really um, it is true that you can't breathe ozone because there's no antioxidant defense in the lungs, but other parts of the body, it can be uh, applied very safely because there's antioxidant defenses. And what that means is the ozone will go in, it'll interact with the antioxidants. So not directly with like, let's say your skin or your ears or your nose or something like that, or the blood, it doesn't oxidize it. It reacts with the antioxidants and produces other effects that are positive. So ozone is a gas It can be applied in lots of different ways. I mean, there's dental, there's cosmetic, there's injections for herniated discs, there's the intravenous, like you mentioned. So there's a ton of different applications for it. And medically, like I said, it's grown quite significantly throughout the last 10 years. I think, like I said, like a dozen countries to 25 or so. I want to take a moment to share with you my brand new eyewear company called Gilded by Luke Story. 
My goal with creating this brand was to tackle the problem of blue light and bad fashion design with one simple solution. Blue light is a color of light needed during the day, especially at sunrise from its natural source, the sun, to release cortisol, promote alertness and focus, and to set our body's natural circadian rhythm. Artificial blue light from sources such as device screens, TVs, street lamps, city lights, and car lights is a distorted color of light with detrimental effects on our health. So taking in artificial blue light after dark tricks our bodies into thinking it's still daylight, which disrupts our circadian rhythm and prevents restorative sleep. Taking in artificial blue light during the day is disruptive to our health because it lacks the healing red and infrared light with which blue light is balanced in sunlight. And a disrupted circadian rhythm and lack of great sleep leads to a decrease in vitality and to long-term chronic health issues such as obesity, anxiety, depression, diabetes, cancer, neurodegenerative diseases, heart disease, and autoimmune diseases. Exposure to artificial blue light during the day also leads to the above effects as well as to eye strain and a decrease in energy and brain function. So by wearing gilded blue light blocking day lenses, you will block 100% of the damaging artificial blue light at 455 nanometers as measured across the light spectrum. And by wearing the gilded blue light blocking night lenses, you expand that blue light blocking coverage even further to 550 nanometers into the range of disruptive green light. What's also really cool is that gilded glasses are made by using a proprietary blend of pigments, including melanin, which is infused directly into the lenses to fully block harmful blue light. So by using the gilded glasses to block the harmful blue light during the day and night, you're going to set your body's natural circadian rhythm, which will give you the good sleep you need to wake up healthy, healed, and energized, and will also set your circadian rhythm for the next night of healthy sleep. To check out my new line of men and women's eyewear, go to gildedbylukestory.com. That's G-I-L-D-E-D, gildedbylukestory.com. One of the things that's so uh, impactful to me about ozone is its uh, antiseptic, antiseptic powers, like its mm -hmm. uh, ability to neutralize pathogens, bacteria, fungus, parasites, viruses, all the things on contact. And I think that's, mm -hmm. that's why I'm of the mind, like, why isn't everyone using this all the time? Why isn't this a bigger thing? Which hopefully, you know, people like you and conversations like this will help to um, increase. But do I have that right? Because I always kind of rattle off like, it kills all the things. Is, is that in yeah. fact true? Or are there any things like MRSA or something like that that are resistant to or, or um, unable to be you know neutralized or eradicated by ozone? Yeah. So one of the things with ozone is it interacts differently based on the tissue that it's touching, right? Like I mentioned. So mm -hmm. there's uh, rectal insufflation, which is like an ozone enema. There's the mucosal wall in there. It, it actually interacts instantly. It's absorbed into the mucosal wall, into other properties, and goes up throughout the blood. Um, whereas like if you had a MRSA infection, right? it's going to act more as an antiseptic. So it's going to go in there, it's going to kill infection, but it's also going to stimulate some growth factor and basically help the area to heal up. Um, to say that it's an antiseptic all the time is not quite accurate. So like if you're doing an IV, um, there's some antiseptic property possibly in that very local area that you treat the blood. But actually what's happening as far as its ability as antiviral, antibacterial, if you're doing an IV, 
is that it's actually just helping your body to perform better so that it's more capable of eliminating those types of things. So that's why ah, it works. Okay. Yeah. So because it's interacting, like I said, with the antioxidants, it's not going in and killing the virus itself. It makes this See, cascade that, yeah, effect. Yeah, that's where I had, that's where I was a bit off because I, so, okay, say we put a bunch of pathogens on the surface of this table and then I get an ozone generator and an ozone cup and I cup this little area, it's yep, just going to nuke everything. Yep. But once you put it into the bloodstream, it becomes ozonides or, or, or something else that, mm-hmm. as you said, doesn't actually like kill on contact in your blood per se, but then encourages your body and fortifies your body so that it can do its job better. Yeah, essentially. And that's kind of the, uh, I, I always see like a laundry list of like benefits of a therapy and that makes me kind of like, makes me put a flag up. But then once you realize like, and you believe in a therapy that it has a very fundamental effect. You kind of understand why people say like it does this, that, and the other, because like if I can improve your body just to perform better, it's going to do a million things better, right? Right. So right. it's like one of those things where it's going into the body, it's just improving uh, the immune system. It's not boosting it either. That's why it can be used for autoimmune as well as immunosuppressed cancer patients is because it's having this balancing effect. And that's um, uh, Dr. Sylvia Menendez out of Cuba has done hundreds of thousands of treatments uh, and she goes into depth, into depth on just how it works as a immune balancer, immune modulator, is what she calls it. But mm-hmm. that's super interesting because if your immune system is overreactive, it brings it down. If it's underperforming, it brings it up. And now there's a few other kind of major things it does. It improves oxygen efficiency, which is your ability to utilize oxygen. Um, that's not how much you breathe in, but the stuff that you breathe in is going to get used better, which is really good for metabolism. Um, athletes love that because it improves stamina, recovery time, uh, that kind of thing. So. Let's talk about uh, the idea of home use ozone generators. Because I think in my experience, I've gone to practitioners. They have a $50,000 thing from Germany and I do 10 pass IV mm-hmm. ozone. And then I have kind of a, ho- a homemade ozone generator at home. I mean, homemade, it's hopefully viable. It seems yeah. to be so far. Um, and then I use that at home. And so uh, I've got a little oxygen canister that came with it. Uh, I go to a welding shop and I have them fill up a giant, you know, welding uh, oxygen right. canister, keep it in the garage. Then I just keep that thing full and then apply that to my body. And it seems like that's kind of cutting edge and a bit out there, but it's becoming uh, hopefully more prevalent that people aren't only going to practitioners, but are also administering ozone at home. So could you kind of break down the different types of generators that actually make ozone? Well, I think behind that, hopefully there's an idea that you're not just relying on practitioners for your health, you know, that there is kind of a proactive approach and that you just want to be healthy for yourself and your family. And what I mean by that is like that you're just not uh, totally supported by somebody else for your own health care. So that being said, yeah, there's a ton of different generators. There's practitioners that have like, you know, super, super great generators that do different things that can do kind of fancy things like the Tempass stuff and uh, those range from anywhere to 20 grand to a couple thousand dollars and they can do IVs. But there's stuff that people can do at home, ozone therapy at home. They can do like rectal insufflation, ear insufflation, um, ozone water for drinking and lavaging of wounds and that kind of thing. And that costs about a thousand bucks. So you can get them for pretty inexpensive and they they work great. What about issues with, you know, if someone's buying a generator and they want to save money, uh, there could be some inferior, I mean, you might be able to get some kind of weird ozone generator on Amazon for, I don't know, $500, let's just say, right? I've mm-hmm. never tried because I'm kind of aware of this, but what about the reactive nature of ozone in terms of the 
components that are used in a generator, what do people want to look out for in terms of using silicone for the tubing instead of plastic and glass over, you know, metals that Mm -hmm. can become reactive to the ozone and things like that. Yep. So that's another safety component of ozone therapy, uh, which by the way, we didn't touch on safety, but has a higher safety efficacy than aspirin. If you look at uh, the World (laughs) Federation of Ozone Therapy, they published a paper with uh, hundreds of thousands of, or I think it was 183,000 cases uh, or treatments that were performed anyway yeah that's so that's like kind of number two on the safety list of ozone therapy is your generator and it's uh, basically because ozone being such a strong oxidant being so unstable it interacts with uh, certain things like nylon for instance if you put a nylon glove on and then spray ozone gas on it it just deteriorates like instantly so what you don't want is a generator with materials inside that are actually going to deteriorate and uh, it's called off-gassing where it produces like toxic byproduct and so that that's something for your safety that you wouldn't want to do. There's a few companies that are reputable. Um, there's basically only three in North America. But yeah, just make sure the equipment that you're getting has ozone-resistant materials. And if they're one of the companies that do that, they'll make that very clear because that's a common question among people. Um, there's cheap ones that are a few hundred bucks that are not made for ozone therapy. People will say they're for ozone therapy. They're good for like ozone water, washing of produce, that kind of thing. But that's really it. Okay, cool. And so let's go into the different applications. So let's say you have uh, your own generator and it's viable, it's been manufactured correctly so that you're not going to have these, um, you know, off-gassing issues and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So uh, what I've done with mine is rectal insulfation. Is that how you say the word? Insufflation. Insufflation, where you basically connect a plastic catheter to your, you know, the outbound ozone hose mm-hmm. and put it up the old for a couple minutes. And um, it's incredibly energizing. Um, it also, um, incidentally, TMI for some listeners, but it's also a, a great uh, laxative. <laughs> you know, it'll you often go. make you evacuate shortly afterward. Uh, so that is something I've done a lot of. And then also using um, the stethoscope. So hooking up a stethoscope and actually getting ozone into the ears and Mm -hmm. presumably throughout the skull cavity and around the brain and such like that. Um, Could you explain kind of how those two work and then some of the other things like bagging and cupping and different ways that someone can use um, ozone gas that's been generated to apply in or on their body? Yep. So if you're wanting to use it for like preventative care or chronic disease, really the two best ways well, you want a systemic treatment. So for at home, there's rectal and vaginal insufflation, which maybe not the most glamorous, but you know, if you're sick or you're just trying to get to that next level, probably a good thing to try out. So um, those are pretty simple. Uh, the vaginal insufflation takes more like uh, 15 minutes, the rectal insufflation two to five minutes. So it's not like a long process, but yeah, pretty straightforward, like you said. And then beyond that, there's the stethoscope for the ear insufflation. And that's really primarily just indicated for like, head issues. And what I mean by that is like ear infections, super, super good for, especially if people have chronic ear infections, they usually don't need to get antibiotics again. Or if they're very severe, maybe the antibiotics for a while wean off of them and then the ozone can kind of take up the rest of it. So uh, really, really good for that kind of thing. Uh, Sinus infections, eye infections. um, Basically, there's these tubules from the ear that tie into the sinus cavity up into the eyes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, As far as going into the brain, there's not really any good research on that. But, you know, I've been around this industry for a while, people do it and they say that it helps, you know, and I don't really know where to place that. I just kind of put the information out there that, Hey, there's this, uh, burden of proof that we haven't overcome to say that it's like, you know, making your brain perform better or something. 
but there's a lot of people who say that it helps them and that's fine. It's not going to be harmful, but it's, you know, if you want to try it, go for it. <laughs> See, I've never, un- I just like the way I feel when I put it in my ears. And especially mm-hmm. if I feel like I'm catching a bug or there's any mm-hmm. kind of sniffle starts. I mean, I got that thing in my ears in five minutes. Um, but I'm, I'm always curious when doing that, if, if it's going in the holes in your head that we call your ears, like is the ozone gas actually getting inside your skull and, and, and ex- being exposed to your brain? Is that the way it works physiologically or am I just no, so I mean, that. your your brain is pretty well closed off when you go swimming. Water doesn't get in there, you know. Okay. So it's <laughs> okay, like okay. Uh, it's pretty well closed off. But you have your tympanic membrane; it doesn't pass over that. It doesn't go okay. through. The, well, there's uh, some man. I forget the guy's name. I wrote it in an article on ear insulation on doctorsozone.com. But uh, basically, they found with some degenerative hearing loss that they were able to reverse some of the effects with uh, ozone therapy. There was very little information on it. It was more, but it was kind of interesting because it suggested that. Maybe the ozone isn't getting in, but maybe it's causing something to happen that's positive. Ah, so, okay. um, not a hundred percent sure what's happening there. Like I said, I've, I mean, we, I don't know how many people have just done it here at the conference that you're in inflation. You're like, wow, I feel more alert, or, you know, X, Y, or Z. Yeah. And so it's like I said, one of those things where I just say, Hey, this is what people experience. Uh, this is what literature says. Uh, you know, you can decide what to do from there. I've noticed for sure mental clarity and, mm-hmm. uh, and my, uh, uh wife, Allison, loves doing it in the ears mm-hmm. and she'll like if she senses a little bug she's like where's the ozone machine ours has been sent out to repair right now unfortunately and we've really actually really missed it especially in the current age when there's seemingly bugs going around etc but um i've gotten from her that there's like mental clarity benefits from it and she's not someone that really buys into a lot of this stuff she just yeah. feels good and lives her life and is like a normal person not a super biohacker but I always find it interesting when she gravitates toward things because she's not that interested in some Mm -hmm. of it and she loves the ear thing, you know? And she's just like, yeah, it just wakes me up. I feel clear and, you know, doesn't get colds and things like that. So that one, um, that one's, but I've been curious about that. Like, is it going on your brain or what? So thank you for (laughs) giving me a physiology lesson there. Uh, What about, um, obviously you can't breathe ozone gas. It's quite Mm -hmm. caustic directly, but uh, what you can do is, bubble the ozone through various oils and then breathe that in with a cannula can you kind of explain that yeah so basically there'll be this uh, glass apparatus that you bubble the gas down into and the gas that comes back up is no longer ozone because they interacted with the oil it's an ozonide and uh, people do breathe that it's pretty common and then uh, i know a lot of doctors that use it for lung infections lung cancer basically just uh, respiratory issues got it okay and then what about uh, cupping yeah, so that would be like if you have a skin infection, like you said, like MRSA or something of that nature. And the same with limb bagging. Limb, bag- limb bagging and, limb- and ozone cupping are the same thing. The ozone cupping is just like for on the torso, whereas limb bagging would be for arm or leg kind of thing. But yeah, yeah it's, if there's um, diabetic ulcers, uh, MRSA infections that you want to get rid of that are tough to get rid of, uh, it can work pretty well for that. With the ozone cupping, I've I've tried it on a couple things like mosquito bites and burns and cuts and things like that. That works very well. But I'm always a bit confused by like the pressure of the gas coming out because it's a, the one I have is a tiny little cup. I mean, it's like half mm-hmm. half a coffee coffee cup, I guess, relatively speaking. And so, say there's a, you know I have a cut on my knee, and I put the cup on, it's like it fills up in two seconds with the gas. So I'm always wondering because you don't want to breathe it right. Like when someone wants to do cupping, 
could you just leave it on there and keep it pumping, but perhaps run a fan in the room or something so that it's not filling up your, your airspace? Or do you just put it on for a second typically? Yeah. I know of people that do that, or they might wear a mask with like a charcoal filter on it. If they're very neurotic about it, personally, I'm comfortable just letting it go, but I've been around it for so long that I, I kind of know what it feels like to have, you know, too much ozone in your lungs or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, or you could just even put it on there, turn it off for a little while. Um, and then let oxygen run through, turn it back on that kind of thing. So you can just kind of have it, uh, pumping ozone through, um, without having to, you know, build up too much pressure or release it. Right. And then, uh, why is it helpful to wet the skin before doing a topical application of the gas? Or um, is it? I think, I think the, I could be wrong, but I think the reason people do that is just because ozone's a very drying gas. So it just helps to humidify it. That's my understanding for the ear insufflation. Um, as far as for the skin, uh, not a hundred percent sure why people do. Um, most of the education I've seen on it doesn't recommend that, but I, I, I could, I could see it helping with not drying out the area just because it's such a dry gas. Got it. Okay. Uh, and then break down the bagging. I have one of these foot bags, you know, which I was experimenting with for a while. And it's just kind of, you know, once you're in it, you can't really get up and move. So, you know, I'd said, I'm like, well, what am I going to do now that I'm sitting here? You know, basically there's a, a silicone tube that runs into the bag and it inflates it and you're exposing that. Um, and you said it's similar to the cupping. What kind of applications would that be for? And how long would someone typically sit mm -hmm. there with this, you know, bag on their knee or their foot or hand or whatever? Yeah, so it's the exact same thing as cupping, except you're just using a bag. I mean, there's really no difference in terms of what you're using it for. I mean, it's post-surgery infections, ulcers, that kind of stuff. Stuff on the skin that's there that you don't really want to be there. Maybe not like a bad tattoo, but, you know, like something yeah. that, that shouldn't be there. Um, so, yeah, it's like a 20-minute process. You run the ozone generator at a very high concentration of ozone. Um, you sit there for about 20 minutes, and you do that uh, until your infection or your wound is remediated. Got it. And then on ozone generators, there will be, uh, on mine, for example, there's an airflow on the oxygen, and then there's a little valve that's kind of a regulator that determines how, determines how much oxygen runs through the electricity, and then that um, that gives you the, the, the right amount of concentration of mm -hmm. the gas, and it seems to be measured in gammas, and so there's different recommendations for how much gamma, how do you figure out how much gamma you're getting and what number of gamma is appropriate for the thing that you're trying to do? Yeah, so there's a, a group of ozone therapy experts that, well, I mean, they've been coming together for a long time, but they put together a document called the Madrid Declaration and they keep on publishing it every four or five years with renditions. But basically they do a review of all the scientific literature and they come out with recommendations based on what they're seeing. So for example, rectal inflation is 20 to 40 gamma. They say, don't go over that. There can be some uh, negative effect on the enterocyte, which is some of the stuff on the intestinal wall, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, they, ju they just look for those windows of what is a good, safe, therapeutic dose. And then like, what's a good buffer from that just to make sure that doesn't happen. And they basically come up with that. But you were asking too about like, how do you actually set the device, which is, um, yeah, there's the generator, like the size of a brick. I don't, well, typically I don't know how big yeah, yours mine, is. Mine's got considerably bigger. It's like a James Bond briefcase, okay. you know, cause yeah. the oxygen canister fits in there too. It's kind of velcroed in like a, it's a briefcase really. Okay. Yeah. So like the, a lot of generators are the size of a brick or a little bit bigger and they weigh like a few pounds. So they're not heavy. 
Um, and then you have an oxygen tank and a little regulator on the oxygen tank that determines how fast the oxygen will flow into the generator. So basically, you flow oxygen into the generator and that creates the ozone. Now, based on how fast the oxygen is flowing, that's going to determine how strong the ozone is because the slower it goes through a generator, the more exposure time it has in the electrical chamber, essentially, and the more ozone it's going to make from that. So if you make it flow faster, that's why it's weaker, which is kind of counterintuitive. But Yeah, that is counterintuitive. That's funny. I think I might have had it backwards. <laughs> that's good. I've been using a plant medicine called Kratom for many years. It's an all-natural herb related to the coffee plant that's been used in Thailand for centuries. Kratom is a trip because it energizes your mind and relaxes your body at the same time. There are very few alkaloids on the planet that provide that unique combo of benefits. So I'll use Kratom when I want to chill out and be social or ease body pain. The cool thing, however, about Kratom is that while it's relaxing, some strains can actually give you energy for a workout or, in my case, even podcasting. It just helps you feel good without feeling impaired. The tricky thing is, though, there are a lot of super shady liquor store and smoke shop Kratom products available, but I wouldn't trust most of them enough to put them into my body. There can be issues with mold and other toxins that make the Kratom market challenging to navigate. Not to mention, some of them are extracts which could provide some pretty serious side effects that aren't worth the risk. The brand of Kratom I use personally is called Super Speciosa, and it has only one ingredient, pure Kratom leaf. So Super Speciosa is a very legit Kratom brand and the one I've come to trust most for regular use. And it's worth noting that for beginners, I recommend their signature Super Speciosa strain. It's the most popular, best-selling strain they sell and a good one to start with. So if you want to try Kratom and get 20% off your entire order, go to GetSuperLeaf.com slash Luke and use the code Luke. That's GetSuperLeaf.com slash Luke. Okay, so that's the at-home generators. Mm -hmm. If somebody's going to buy their own generator, it would be advised, unlike mine, that it comes with some kind of settings that you can actually, a normal person can kind of understand, right, without having to do calculations to figure it out. Um, are, are there some that are easier for a layperson to dial in and get the right settings and the right gamma and airflow on than others? Or are there many like mine that just kind of, you just have to guess? So are you asking like when a person gets a device, like how do they set the concentration? Yeah. For their, like, or how do they figure out what concentration they should yeah, have? Yeah. And, you know, are there a lot of machines out there like mine that don't tell you, you just have to kind of take your best guess versus ones that you can actually dial in exactly what you want for the application. Well, if you buy from one of the three primary companies in North America, they'll tell you what you need to know. Like they'll okay. say like, hey, if you're going to be doing this, um, this is the recommendation on that. So they'll say like, set it to setting three for, you know, two minutes or whatever. And they'll have that for each application. So yeah, most of them have written instructions, videos, that kind of thing. So once you get the equipment, it should all be there. Okay. And where what's this document that you mentioned and where might people be able to find that? That's the Madrid Declaration. Okay. Um, it's, it, I, I tried buying it online. I had to go through some back channels to actually get it because uh, the customers, they're from Spain, right? So, and their website wasn't updated last I tried. So I'm trying to, it's IOSCO. So it's, uh, it's the International Scientific Committee of Ozone Therapy. It's the largest scientific oh, cool. committee of ozone therapy, but yeah, I think it's iosco.org or iosco3.org um, or just Google ISCO3 
and you should pull up a website. It should be on there. Hopefully they fixed the problem that they had. Um, there's also a ton of information on drsozone.com, which is drsozone.com. There's like a free guide that walks through how to do ozone therapy, how it works, what it looks like. Awesome. Has a ton of videos, and yeah, that's a little bit more user friendly. The cool. Madrid Declaration is more oriented it's towards a bit geeky. Docs. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, okay, so let's talk about some of the other topical applications: the ozonated oils mm-hmm. and uh, um, toothpaste and things like that. Yeah, so there's essentially when you infuse ozone gas into an oil, it bonds with the carbon chain, and it bonds with the oil, and it creates an ozonide, which is an antiseptic. Um, so that's good for topical applications, kind of like the cupping and the bagging that we talked mm-hmm, about. Mm-hmm. Um, the nice thing with this is it's uh, easier to do. I probably, if I had a severe infection or something, I'm going to be doing both personally, you know, but it's, it's nice because it's a lot more easy. You can get a bottle for like 20 bucks uh, on Amazon or whatever, and it's just an ozone oil. But essentially, yeah, you just rub it into the area, kind of like a neosporin or an antiseptic. Um, I'm sure a lot of your people don't use neosporin, but know what it is i use ozonated oil yeah it works it works great for insect bites Mm -hmm. Uh, that's one of my favorite things it actually makes them stop itching yeah however some people are uh, more bothered than others by the smell of ozonated oils i don't find it particularly pleasing but if i'm the one using it it's like worth it because i don't want to get an infection i'm trying Mm -hmm. to heal a burn or a cut or something like that um has anyone managed to make ozonated oil that's a little less offensive smelling yeah so a company i'm talking to right now there'll be a new product out soon um and that's the first one i found that i was like oh wow this is actually quite different and basically it comes down to how they produce it they um when you're producing ozone oil it's easy to get the oil really really hot because it's a technically a chemical reaction that's happening so the oil gets really hot and that causes kind of that rancid smell and it creates a lot of stuff in it that you don't necessarily want there um, they do it at like controlled temperatures and a bunch of different other stuff. So it's uh, it's pretty good. But no, uh, beyond that, I haven't come across somebody that really has gotten rid of that. Uh, it's described as kind of a rancid smell almost. Yeah, yeah. it does a little bit. Yeah. 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 Almost like an oxidated uh, oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and you mentioned the, the for the teeth and that kind of yeah, stuff, which yeah. we didn't touch. So yeah. um, it's actually really good for oral disease. Like, I mean, I know that's like really broad, but like uh, infections, receding gums, uh, cavitations, all sorts of stuff. And what a lot of people don't think about is your teeth are kind of like tubules. So there's all these little paths that are happening. And if you were stretched out, I can't remember what they say, but if you stretch them all out. Goes around the world five times. Yeah, something like that. You know, it's going to be a mile or two miles or whatever, just from one tooth. And so uh, anyway, that means that it's hard for stuff to get down there or it's hard to get infections out. So there can be an infection deep in your tooth that's really hard to access. That's why people do oil pulling is because it gives it a lot of time to be able to get down there. So oil pulling with ozone oil is basically, you know, the biggest bang for your buck because it's a very strong antiseptic, um, able to help with some of the the remineralization of the tooth, that kind of thing. Um, So it's a really good thing to do for for oral issues as well. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And then what about toothpaste? Is toothpaste going to have that, that has ozone in it, going to have that antiseptic effect? Yeah, if there's ozonated toothpaste that probably taste a bit better. Uh, they're not usually quite as strong because they're mixed with some other stuff. But yeah, th- those are good just as like preventative care, beauty care, that kind of thing. Okay, cool. And then what about the application of ozone in dentistry? It seems like that was the first place, kind of in holistic dentistry, that was the first place I personally started hearing about ozone being used. And that's mm-hmm. one of the 
criteria by which I've selected dentists. I go on their website or call them and like, do you guys use ozone yeah. uh, rather than some of the other options available? So give us a bit about the, the um, practice of dentistry and how they use it. Yeah. So there's probably, I, I, I don't know, this is, this is hard to estimate, but maybe, I don't know, five to 10,000 doctors in the United States that are using ozone therapy regularly. And that's MDs, DOs, uh, those, those types of integrative doctors and worldwide. It's much, much bigger. Um, but interestingly, there's probably even more dentists that are using ozone. And I think it's because they have to think outside of the box a little bit more. Sometimes they're, you know, you can't, you can refer to a specialist to a point, but you can't get passed around in the same way that you can in the other circles. So it's a lot more widely used. And um, so they're using ozone water just like after any sort of treatment, any sort of surgery. And I mean, we've hit on a number of times, but it kills infection and it speeds recovery time. Um, so the ozone water, the ozone gas, the ozone oil, they're doing all those things to help with them. And there's an interesting person, Dr. Valerie Cantor. Uh, she does some research at UCLA. Do you know her? No, I don't. Okay. So yeah, she's, she's a rock star. She's awesome. But she's trying to replace um, the use of bleach uh, with ozone. So bleach is actually a common use in uh, conventional dentistry, which most people don't realize. Really? Yeah. What? Yeah. They just put it right in there. You know, they use it on the tooth and you know, you they're pulling Clorox off the shelf. And yeah, if you push them on it, like, well, I haven't had this experience because I go to a biological dentist, yeah. but I've heard like, if you push on up on it, they're kind of embarrassed because yeah, it's just straight up bleach that they're using as an antiseptic. Wow. Um, but, and, and I'm not sure that all dentists do that by any means, but it's, it's, her mission is just to replace that practice with ozone because the cool thing is once you use it in the mouth, um, especially in the form of water, it's not dangerous to breathe or anything like that. It just reverts back into oxygen. So there's no uh, toxic, toxic effects to it. it. kills off the infection, helps to stimulate the natural healing process. So uh, it's, a, it's a really cool thing and I hope she succeeds with it. And I wow. also think it's dentistry is probably the most likely to get FDA approval for ozone therapy or be the first thing that does. So cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the last time I went to the dentist, they, they did a filling and I knew that they were a uh, biological dentist, so they were probably going to do it, but yeah, they turned on a generator and I think it went through like a little needle or something. They were just like, yep. and they were just spraying the gas and obviously I could smell it and uh, not breathing it in, but enough to know it was there. And I was like, oh, I'm in good hands. These guys know what's up. Yeah. Uh, then what about, um, there's another thing I wanted to ask you. Ah, what about the, not the IV injections, like a 10-pass ozone mm -hmm. thing that people are using for you know, mold and Lyme and more chronic and acute infections like that. But what about uh, for pain and ligaments, tendons, injuries, things like that, like prolozone yeah. therapy? Can you let people know a bit about that? Yeah, and that's also another awesome space. So basically for medical ozone therapy, there's four different categories to break it down into. There's cosmetic, which would be like wrinkles and anti-aging and that kind of stuff. There's the medical primary care or preventative kind of stuff. There's the dentistry and then there's the uh, mechanical sports doc, uh, pain management, the injections. And that would be for like knee, for herniated discs. It's actually really, really good for herniated discs. So it has, I can't remember the study exactly. There's, if you just Google ozone therapy herniated disc study, you'll find five, six, seven different studies from different groups with like the same results on this. And it's like, I can't remember if it's like 60, close to 60 or close to 70%. It's one of the two. But basically, uh, they can heal a herniated disc at a 60 to 70% success rate using just an ozone injection. Wow. Now, that's pretty cool because surgery is around the same point, uh, same success rate. 
So you're talking the difference of like $450 minimally invasive versus like a full-on surgery on your spine. So wow. It, wow. It, if you have one of those, I, I definitely recommend just trying it out and seeing if it works. And if you're in the 30 to 40% that it doesn't work for, then do what you got to do from there. But it's definitely worth a try. I've had the ozone injections. I don't think in a disc, but definitely, I think it was my elbow. I did some of those and it, and it helped, um, but I didn't really know exactly what they were doing. So in that type of injection, are they filling a syringe with the gas itself and putting the gas in there or are they infusing some kind of other substance with ozone? So with the herniated disc itself, uh, it doesn't go directly into the disc just to be clear, oh, Okay, but they, they go around it. But yeah, essentially um, we would, uh, they would fill up a syringe with ozone gas um, and they would just inject it into the area. It depends on the joint. So like a knee is going to take a little bit more than a wrist you know, an elbow is not going to take very much, but that helps to clear up the inflammation, stimulates microcirculation. So now you're getting gas exchange, which is super important for the healing of the joint. Um, it's going to help with some of the healing properties. It's really good, good as a precursor for other therapies like PRP or oh, stem word. cells. Um, it just creates a really good platform for those to take place and work better. So yeah, it's a, it's a really good thing. I sustained a pretty serious back injury and uh, I've used it and it feels great. It takes away pain for long periods of time. I've been into cacao for a couple decades. Now that's cacao, not chocolate. Been into that since I was born probably. But most chocolate is a pretty sketchy origin and full of sugar and sometimes even mycotoxins. I'm talking about the superfood cacao, the ceremonial grade stuff. The brand I use is from Danette May of Mindful Health and her company Earth Echo. It's called Cacao Bliss, and it is insanely good. Cacao Bliss is made with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining their miraculous health benefits. Then they blend the cacao with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect mix to add to hot water or any other hot or cold drink. My go-to is usually pouring a scoop or packet of this stuff into my morning coffee. I actually made one this morning and chugged it on the road while running errands. Cacao Bliss does the cacao right. It checks all the boxes. It's paleo, gluten-free, keto, and even vegan. Well, mine's never vegan because I usually add grass-fed butter and colostrum to my hot drinks. But anyway, if you're ready to get down with some Cacao Bliss, it doesn't matter how you make it. It's always delicious and really good for you. It's your lucky day today right now because they are offering up to 15% off when you use the code LUKE15 at earthechofoods.com slash lukestory. That's earthechofoods slash lukestory. Or you can just click on the link in your podcast app show notes. You'll see the code LUKE15 there too. You just reminded me of one of my more reckless adventures in ozone, I uh, was referred to a <laughs> an unlicensed professional nice. uh, in California. And uh, what they do is uh, not ozone IVs, but just a direct ozone injection, like right in your arm. So mm -hmm. they take ozone gas and put it in your vein and just, and just go in. And it, 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 it I'm sure has unsafe potential because the ozone gas is so caustic and powerful and mm -hmm. things like that. I live to tell the tale, but um, it was a one-time thing because leaving, I thought, hmm, I don't know if this is totally safe, but what do you know about, um, I guess, the difference between doing it that way and a, you know, an IV where they're taking your blood out and ozonating it and putting it back in for the, for the more chronic 
illness kind of applications? What are people up to with, with those two methods? Yeah, so that's called uh, DIV, direct intravenous ozone, as opposed to MAH, which is major autohemotherapy. The DIV is when, yeah, you just do the gas directly into the vein. I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a proponent of it. Whenever I tell that to ozone nerds, they get upset because they're all things ozone. So if you're out mm -hmm. there and you're upset, I'm sorry, but <laughs> it's just, I, the, and the reason is, is because ozone therapy is super good. It's super effective for a lot of different things. And DIV is one of the only methods that actually regularly has negative side effects. So chest tightness, nausea, um, those types of things. Um, people are scared of air embolism, which actually doesn't seem to be a danger. Um, I mean, I, I haven't, I look through all the reports of death for ozone therapy. There's eight of them, six of them. You can't even find out who it was when it was any of that. The other two were like, it totally on, it, it was just like, uh, one person was using a fluid, which isn't ozone therapy. So I don't know what that was. And another <laughs> one was people using a commercial generator using room air that did cause an embolism. Oh. So, um, yeah, flying by the seat of their pants with that one. But anyway, um, so it seems like there's not like uh, danger of death. Um, personally, I've never done it. I'm kind of neurotic about that. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Yeah. I but, think it's uh, called smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe. I mean, I know there are a lot of people doing it, but that it's the kind of thing you wouldn't want to be cavalier about, you know? Yeah, and I think it could be a holdup to ozone therapy getting mainstream acceptance. And, you know, that's kind of one of the long-term things that I'd like to see happen. And right. I know there's there's the beast of the FDA and all the money, like, I mean, hundred million dollars in cash to get approved. That's, that's a tall order, especially if you have something that only costs, uh, you know, it's a thousand bucks to get started. And then after that, you're good to go for the rest of your life pretty much. So it's like, there's not a big money-making machine with ozone therapy. Um, but yeah, DIV is not, um, by most, I can't think of any like highly recognized scientific organization that recommends DIV. It's usually individuals or doctors mm -hmm. that are been doing it for a long time and that's fine i don't have a problem with them being okay with it but personally i don't recommend it to people and so it, there's also mah which is the safe way to do it that doesn't have all those negative side effects where you pull the blood out you mix it with the ozone and then put it back into the body so there's no gas going directly into the body it's the blood right. going back in there's zero gas there so that's and the difference you, between those two do you happen to know the difference between ozone dialysis and uh, like a 10 pass ozone treatment yeah, uh, ozone dialysis is misnamed. There's some people out there that call it. It kind of looks like a dialysis machine. It's not actually pulling anything significant out of the, out of the blood. It's called EBU, which is extracorporeal blood ozonation, oxygen ozone uh, therapy. But anyway, they're pulling out large amounts of blood. There's a needle going in one arm, or blood is coming out one arm and going into the next. And it's like... A, pretty long process then they're doing a lot of blood they're mixing it with the ozone and that kind of stuff so it's more about just mixing the blood with the ozone and oxygen than the actual dialysis of it so it's not okay. dialysis in that sense mm -hmm. and then the 10 pass is like a high dose form of ozone therapy so the major autohemotherapy that we mentioned um is using it, it depends uh, i have to calculate it out because it's been a while but it's using a a, a small factor of ozone that like a 10 pass would be. So a 10 pass ozone therapy is when you're doing a lot of ozone therapy into the person. And that's, a, that's called a high dose form. Um, and that's kind of a newer thing that has come around probably at least with, with broad, a lot of people using it. It's probably been the last 10 or 15 years, but basically it's a super ozone dose. And so 
the idea is that you're just getting a lot of ozone in the blood. There's uh, a better effect to it, some people claim. Um, I don't know where I sit on that. It seems like a lot of doctors say that, hey, it's super good for, it's, it's way better than the MAH. The MAH is the old thing, but it seems like both have a place, and I'm not quite sure where to place it, but. Got it. Yeah, yeah I did uh, maybe three or four 10-pass sessions, and I felt pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's difficult to, if you don't have a very specific pathology expressing, yeah. it's difficult to know, like, did it work or not, right? Yeah. Um, depending on what your definition, but uh, I did enough research on it, and the opportunity arose, and so I went and did a few, and I felt great. I, I mean, I'd walk out of there feeling brand new. Yeah, I think it's good. I mean, I'm honestly a fan of the rectal insufflation just in terms of practicality. Uh, a lot cheaper, a lot easier to do. So an MAH is going to be 250 A 10 pass at the cheapest is 1100 So Yeah, it was not cheap. That's per treatment. So they're, they're yeah. pretty expensive. Whereas the rectal insufflation, uh, once you have used it for a year or two, it's going to be dollar a treatment somewhere in that ballpark. You know, and it has maybe not as potent of effect, but it has the same things that it's doing within the body. So that's the reason I'm a fan of it. It's something you can do consistently. It takes two to five minutes um, and you can do it for a fraction of the cost of the other stuff. That being said, if I had a chronic disease, I would still be getting the IVs as well as the other stuff. So I'm I'm a fan of both. I mean, I think that's one of the things that's cool. And maybe as we were talking about earlier, why ozone hasn't gone more mainstream is that it is inexpensive. I mean, you said you can get a, a really valid generator for a thousand bucks now. I mean, I remember a few years ago they would start at three thousand. Yeah. Right. And so w- once that thousand dollar generator has been paid for, if you kind of think about how much it would cost you to go get even the rectal administration from someone, they're probably going to charge you $150, $250. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've never done it because I've had one at home, but. You can add that up pretty fast and you have the ability, as long as you have the oxygen, like you can treat your entire family, friends, whole household Mm -hmm. indefinitely as long as your machine is built to last, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, they're going to last a lifetime pretty much. I mean, they're pretty simple in their technologies, so there's not a whole lot that can go wrong. Um, And yeah, it's like I said, I mean, we covered a lot of the stuff that's good for, but Mm -hmm. from ear infections to people using it for chronic diseases. It's, yeah, just got a broad spectrum of application. And again, running into that paradigm of being able to take care of yourself with things that you have in your house, I think is important. Yeah, totally. And then uh, I think one of the last things, I might think of something else, but one I wanted to ask you about was the ozone saunas. Mm-hmm. I, I've done this uh, once. There's a place in Austin called Alive and Well, and they have an ozone sauna. And basically it's, it's like a little kind of stand-up, box coffin sauna where your head pokes out, right? And then they seal it with a towel so you don't breathe in the ozone. And then they just pump ozone into it and you sweat. And I'm assuming that ozone is penetrating your skin and getting in you. And uh, again, that one, I didn't know exactly how it works, but I knew it was safe and uh, felt amazing afterward. What's uh, what's the deal with uh, ozone saunas? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I have my own opinion on things. And uh, I think a lot of people do in the circle and... So me saying something doesn't necessarily mean it's true, but it's my opinion. Yeah, sure. And so going along with the ozone saunas, uh, I talked to doctors and there, there certainly seems to be something beneficial. I, in all honesty, I don't know if it's the ozone or not. So what I mean by that is doctors are saying like, hey, I've consistently had results like this with ozone saunas doing this. And, you know, there's different types and different kinds and ways that it's applied. But the basic idea is that you're dilating your pores and the ozone goes in there. 
Um, Dr. Veliobachi said like, hey, ozone doesn't go through the skin. And just, you know, oh, just, wow. uh, it, it doesn't. Uh, Dr. Frank Schallenberger, on the other hand, says like he has some sort of testing mechanism that he uses. Um, and I, I honestly can't remember what it's called. It's been a while since I've read on it. But basically, based on the tests that he developed, um, he sees an increase when you do the ozone sauna. And so you have kind of this discrepancy between what scientists are saying about it. And I think Frank Schallenberger is, Berger is more of a clinician than a scientist. I think he's He's done amazing things for ozone therapy. Um, but yeah, that being said, we also did some testing with some of the kind of name brands on it. We weren't able to actually, using ozone monitors and different methods, actually detect any skin at the, or <laughs> any skin, <laughs> sorry, any ozone at the skin level. And the reason for that is ozone is extremely reactive. So that's why we couldn't like bottle it in a, you know, a bottle for you and give you ozone water to drink two days later. It's because it reverts back into oxygen pretty quickly. Ah, uh, right, right. So does it does your ozone water last longer if you're refrigerated, by yes. the way? Okay. Yes, it does. So okay. you can if you use like uh very pure water um and you refrigerate it very cold and you have it very tightly closed off, there'll be some ozone left in there ten days later. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Um but yeah with uh with ozone sauna there's two factors for ozone to break down quickly one is heat the hotter it is the faster it interacts you know and people kind of remember but like as things heat up uh, molecules go faster and that's the reason why it interacts faster mm -hmm. it's going all over the place and it's reverting back into oxygen fast faster the other thing is if there's opportunity for it to interact with things it pretty much will um so there being humidity and steam in the sauna is the other factor. So that's why we weren't able to find any ozone at the skin level. So by the time um, we measured, is there any ozone that's actually here? We weren't able to find anything. So that being said, it doesn't mean that I understand what's happening. I understand that one thing. And mm -hmm. so if people are having beneficial results, I'm okay with that. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> like, hey, fair enough. I mean, that's really the definition of science, right? It's like, we don't know why. Let's find out. And just because yeah. you can't find out doesn't mean it's not valid. It just means you haven't found out if it is yet. Yeah. Do you struggle with brain fog and a lack of focus? Well, this is something I've worked on for years, and I've tried tons of interventions, as you can imagine. One of the first products I tried to help was Alpha Brain by Onnit. Well, I took it for a couple of years, and it definitely helped, but then I got into all sorts of other pills and powders. Some worked, some didn't. But I recently got back on board with my original nootropic, Alpha Brain, and I'm really finding it to be quite effective. But it's not just that it works, it's that I actually feel like myself when I use it. I don't get all cracked out and moody, which has been the case with some of the other very potent stimulants I've tried on the market. The state I'm always going for is being in the zone, you know, focused and alert, but also calm. This is the flow state, and when you can hit it, it's awesome. When you're in flow, you can easily remember names and places, focus on complex tasks, think more clearly under stress, react more quickly. With Alpha Brain's incredible ingredient blends, it builds an environment in which the brain can operate on all cylinders and protects its functioning for lasting mental clarity. So I love this product and I always keep some on hand for times when I need some extra brain power, like when I record these promos. So if you want to try some Alpha Brain, just click on the link in your show notes, or of course, head to onnit.com slash Luke, where you will automatically save 10% off. That's onnit.com slash Luke. Ozone generators 
that aren't meant for human use, but just to, um, you know, disinfect a space. So I just bought one on Amazon. I think it was a couple hundred dollars. And while my home is under construction, I go in there every few days and I just let it run all night. Then I go in and hold my breath and open all the windows and let it air out. Um, Just for any, I don't know, mold spores, just funk around. I just want to nuke any kind of pathogens that might be floating around in the space as we're doing all of this work and unearthing all this stuff. Yep. Air purification. Basically. Air, that's the word I'm looking for. Yep. So there's ozone for purifying the air. And the reason, again, kills off a lot of stuff. So whether that's mold or the spores or bacteria, um, and it just leaves good, healthy air, essentially. My wife loves it. She runs it all the time in our basement while we're gone and it filters throughout the house and just kind of purifies it. Um, uh, Probably does it around once a week. But yeah, those are good. I mean, you can get them off Amazon for 100, 200 bucks. Pretty inexpensive. If you live in a place with mold, um, you need to get rid of the mold. You know? Yeah, yeah. You need to get out of there possibly. So yeah. it's not going to fix Run. that problem for you. Yeah. <laughs> Run like hell. <laughs> well, we live in a house that was built in 1863. And before this, it was a house that was built. The one we're in now is fine because it was like totally gutted, totally redone. And it's, you know, this small old farmhouse. It's kind of cool. But um, the one we were in before, it definitely had the mold thing going on. And you put the ozone there, but might help for a little bit, might make it a little bit less, but it's a place we had to get out of. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's commonly used for mold remediation and just purification and all those kinds of things. And I recommend people to have one. Uh, you know, I think they're good yeah. to have. Another thing that they're incredible for is, um, is smells. Mm-hmm. Just foul smells. If you cooked something weird in your house, smells like fried chicken for two weeks or something, yeah. you know, like you run that thing in there and it's gone. Another thing I used it for was um, new car smell, mm-hmm. which some people like, but to me, that's just off-gassing of cancer-causing chemicals. So my brother, um, Andy, had bought a new car a few years ago and we were, he bought it in Colorado and we were going to drive it back to California and I got in, it was just like, oh my God, this is so toxic. And it was really hot. It was the summer. So we would have had the windows rolled up and such. And so um, I borrowed my dad's ozone generator and I got an extension cord and plugged it in there, turned it on high and left it in overnight, aired the car out, new car smell, Mm -hmm. completely nuked, gone. Like it was never Mm -hmm. there. I was like, yes. So I like the ozone generators for that purpose. Yeah. Every car rental place, every hotel has them. And if anybody ever smokes in it, gets rid of the smoke smell, it's right. And it's not just a perfume. So it's not just covering it. It's actually eliminating it at its base. Um, there are certain cars, if you have like nice faux leather, you know, um, it can mess with that. If you put too high of a concentration at this yeah. car that I sold, that I accidentally did that too. I ran it for like, I don't know, um, that most of them have a knob, but I think I turned the knob off on that when I bypassed it and just let it run. And yeah, that kind of had this weird thing that happened with the faux leather. It does break things down. I've yeah. noticed that like if I run it and there's rubber bands out in the room, they mm-hmm. just turn, they brittle. turn brittle. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely like reactive with you know, rubber and plastics and things like that. Yep. But it worked on the car. It was, it was amazing. So, you know, I think that was one of my best discoveries to get rid of smells really fast. And for any teenagers uh, listening, if you're smoking weed at home and your parents are out for the night and you don't want to get caught, run that, run that ozone generator. <laughs> Actually, you know, I remember back in the day when I was a teenager, they had, I guess they have them, they used to call them head shops, but it was like weed paraphernalia stores basically. Right, yeah. And they would sell these little um, ozone, like, canisters of ozone you yeah, know that would get hunters rid of, use those oh they do yeah that's it's funny like ozium or something yeah yeah and you could get rid of weed smell like in your room or whatever you know you're listening to pink floyd different with your black lights. light black light posters <laughs> yeah mine was very different so yeah maybe that was probably my first use of ozone is like not getting busted smoking weed 
So um, just kidding, kind of kids. Don't you know? Don't smoke weed without permission from yourself. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's it, man. I think that's a really that must be one of my most concise, like to the point, focused interviews ever. So thank you for that. Yeah, and thanks for dialing me in because I can go all over the place with this stuff. I no, like it's it. Great. So I just appreciate it. You know, no notes. I just I think I'm familiar enough with the topic. I know the yeah. things I want to ask and share with the audience because I I just think that this is such an incredible intervention for people. And as you've said a couple of times during this conversation, this is one of those things that allows us to take responsibility for our own health and our own bodies and have some sense of autonomy and take care of a lot of things that we'd either have to spend a lot of money or time or, or risks on treating, you know, treating it with drugs, pharmaceuticals, surgery, things that are going to have um, side effects in a number of different ways. So yep. as far as like safety and effectiveness and now, thankfully these days more availability it's it's not so expensive and out of reach for people and you know they're there yep it's one of the tools in the toolbox it's not like the you know silver bullet or anything like that and none of these things are but it's a good thing to have uh for yeah. sure and I, th I think a lot of people can benefit from it but yeah uh, i hope none of this was taken as like gospel in the sense that hey it's going to get rid of all your problems but hey if you got something going on or you're trying to get better or trying to you know do athletics it can be good yeah i mean for me personally, I, I would never consider not having an ozone generator in my house. It's yeah. just, yeah, it's like having running water. I mean, maybe not. That's a bit exaggerated. <laughs> You're a bit more of a fan than me at that point. <laughs> no, no, that's, I'll take that back. That was obnoxious. But no, seriously, I mean, it's like art. Like I said, ours is in the shop, and I'm like, numerous times I've walked into the bathroom where I keep it. I'm like, ah, oh, God, I need it today, you know, for whatever yeah. reason. If maybe I just slept poorly and I want the mitochondrial function or. I think, you know, I'm on the verge of getting a bug or I've got a cut or just any of the things that we've discussed. It's just like, it's like the family home tool. And I've also treated a lot of friends with it too. You mm -hmm. know, people have funky stuff going on. I had a friend that had cancer and uh, I was treating him with it. I, I used to use mine um, before I got the ice bath that I have now that has an ozone generator in it, the Morisco Forge genius design. Uh, I used to take my ozone generator to the backyard and dunk the little um, diffuser in the water and disinfect the water. Yeah. You know? So it's just like, it's not only kind of for the body, but it has so many other uses if you have the right, you know, apparatus. Ozonated ice bath sounds awesome. Yeah, man. It's they have one downstairs. <laughs> well, I, ice bath. It's not ozone yet. We got to get there, right? No, they have ozone in it. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. That's what I did this morning. Yeah. Well, it's just, I'll be in that later. You never have to change the water. It's just, it just disinfects all the time. Actually, they have them for hot tubs and pool. Like you get into Olympic-sized pools with ozone. Never have to do chemical balancing. Never have to use Dude, chemicals. Do you know like uh, a company? Because oh my god, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Because I I just bought this house and you know that I tried to talk to the pool guy. He's a nice guy, but he, he's not a biohacker. He's a pool guy from Texas. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do the chlorine. He's like, no, that's the only way. And I was like, what if I do salt water? He's like, no, you still have to use chlorine. That's what the salt does. It makes natural chlorine. Like you can't get away Salt's from chlorine. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> no offense to the guy, but I'm like, he, you know, he doesn't understand wackos like me from California. <laughs> but it, do you know of like a, a bona fide system where you could just clean your pool water with ozone? Is there a company or a site or is it just like a thing I could look into? So I don't have a pool or a hot tub yet, but once I get one or if I do, yeah, I'm definitely going to do that because you never never have to do chemical balancing. You don't have to worry about them. It's just oxygen by the time it's there. Uh, there's a guy that I talked to in Thailand that has some equipment. His name is Charles Harris. Uh, maybe we can drop that in the yeah, bottom of do. this. I can't remember the name of the website, but let's do Charles Harris is his name. It's a couple thousand dollars and Done. he has a bunch of 
done. education and stuff. My yeah. pool guy is going to be upset because I won't have a job for him. Oh, no, he can come get the leaves out still. <laughs> Just don't pour those chemicals. <laughs> I haven't really used my pool much yet. Um, definitely not the jacuzzi. It's just like a chlorine factory. But yeah, yeah. people have been um, DMing me because I've been talking about the journey of the renovations. And they're like, just do ozone in the pool. I'm like, yeah, but where? Who has it? What's the deal? So cool. Yeah, I'd like to get into that because I think it'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Or it'd I be mean, fun. Like, cause I just want one. So totally, man. And for, yeah, for a hot tub. And that's yeah. one of the worst things, especially when you travel. I'm always like, all right, I got to find the jacuzzi. And then I go down there and I'll, I'll do it. But it's like, hold my head way out of the water because I don't want to <laughs> yeah. breathe all that stuff. It's just yeah, like yeah. once you kind of live in filtered water land, which I always had shower filters and stuff. And then mm. even, even in this hotel here, I noticed I'm just like, oh my God, the taking a hot shower is just oh, brutal. I know. It's just like a gas chamber in there. So, um, yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be cool. I'm glad we, I'm glad we touched on that. Cause that's on my, mm-hmm. my to-do list. Yeah. Uh, who have been three teachers or teachings in your life or career that have influenced your work that you might share with us? Uh, ozone therapy in this specific Related to anything. Oh man. Uh, related to anything. Oh, I'm a faith. So, uh, the Bible, God, Jesus, nice. <laughs> nice. uh, my dad would be number two and then yeah, number three would be fam- family, my brothers, you know. So I have a big family. I have 10 siblings. And wow. uh, yeah, we're all very close. A lot of them entrepreneurs. So it's uh, pretty cool to work with them, learn from them, grow with them, and that kind of stuff. And yeah, maybe that's cliche, but that's what it is. So hey, no, <laughs> I think that's very wholesome. You should have heard the last guy. <laughs> He's like, Dr. Ted, man, he had this. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, you know, like a book, philosophy, a teacher, you know. And then he laid out like this entire, like, cosmic universal code of the three i mean it was beautiful but it was you know i like the simplicity as well yeah i'm a simple guy basically yeah i can tell (laughs) at the end of the day i can tell i like being at home i like family yeah likewise likewise well thanks for uh thanks for being here with the lifestylist family today micah much appreciate your visit and finding time for us i think we provided a lot of very pragmatic value for the audience so thank you for that yeah thank you i appreciate it Well, there we go, y'all. We did it. It's funny, after reviewing this conversation again, I'm still shocked that ozone isn't a more well-known and accessible treatment modality for all types of healing. I mean, it just does so much. It's incredible. And I guess the obvious answer there is that it's not a medication that can be patented, right? It's just electrocuted air, basically. So uh, I'm really actually quite grateful to be able to share this information with you. It's the second episode I've done dedicated to ozone. The first one was a little less comprehensive and more based on how to take ozone internally, ozonated oils and things like that with uh, Ian Mitchell. And I'm sure you can find the uh, link for the show notes to that episode on your podcast app. We typically do that if we cover a topic that's been covered before and has relevance to a past episode, we'll link to it. But this one to me was just like, just the real deal. I mean, I think we cover just about everything you could want to know in terms of um, an accessible approach to it. I could, of course, and I probably will interview some molecular biologist or scientist or super brainiac doctors out there and really get into the nuances of how this stuff uh, impacts the body positively. But I think in terms of just learning how to use ozone, especially as a home user, this was a really good uh, conversation. I know I learned a lot and I thought I already knew some stuff about the ozone because I've been using it for years. So again, after this conversation, uh, if you want to find someone that does ozone therapy near you, I have a great resource 
It's uh, Micah's site, drozone.com. There's tons of free information on there, as well as that directory. That's D-R-S-O-Z-O-N-E, drozone.com. And if you want to just get yourself an ozone generator, I've been using them for years. I had kind of a homemade one that I was using for a while and it was, you know, okay. (laughs) But uh, then I found the Simply O3 uh, generator and I was like, oh, mine was not that hot. I mean, it made ozone, right? There's a lot of devices that make ozone and the one that I had, actually I still have it. It'll just become my backup now. Um, You know, I had it tested and it did produce ozone and it wasn't made with any... Um, funky parts that would leach heavy metals or plastics or any of the issues that you have with uh, ozone because it's quite corrosive. So anything you run ozone through, um, if it's not the right material, like uh, I think it's stainless steel and uh, glass, basically, if I'm not mistaken, and silicone, there's things you need to use in order to make ozone generators correctly so that they're safe to put in your body. Uh, but man, I'm just stoked now that I have the Simply O3 one. It's just no brainer. And it has all of these different apparatus, like different connections. You can make ozonated oil. You can inhale it. You can put it in your ears. You can put it in, in your backside uh, vaginally. Um, there's all kinds of different ways that you can apply it uh, in or to your body. So it's super cool. And if you guys want to check that out, you can go to lukestory.com slash simplyo3. That's lukestory.com slash simplyo3. And uh, those guys are going to give you a 10% off uh, if you use the code Luke10. And that's simplyo3, the letter O, not the number. That's a little clever there. And uh, what else is there? Oh, yeah, check it out. I've been steadily working on eliminating blue light from my life for many years. And uh, I've always struggled to find blue blocking glasses that are both scientifically legit and also look cool. And I found that to be a little difficult. So I just went ahead and created my very own brand of blue blockers. I just launched it recently. It's called Gilded. And you can find these amazing glasses at gildedbylukestory.com. That's G-I-L-D-E-D, gildedbylukestory.com. They're pretty sweet. We've got men's and women's, and we've got, uh, I think, uh, six to eight pairs or something on there now, and um, hoping to expand that product line very soon, but I wanted to just get it out there as, uh, you know, perfection is the enemy of progress. I'm like, I want to have 25 pairs. <laughs> I'm like, no, start off slow. So I pick my favorites and uh, and put them on the site, and they're they're super cool and very well made, and do a very good job of blocking the correct spectrum of blue light. So again, you can find those at gildedbylukestory.com. All right, that's enough damn links. Here's what I want to tell you now. Next week's episode is, oh man, I'm so excited about this one. It's number 385. It's called Beyond Prepping, How to Turn Your Yard into a Food Forest with Jim Gale. This dude is incredible, man. He's um, he's into permaculture. He's got a company called Food Forest Abundance, and they either teach you how to turn your yard into a food forest, or they actually come out and build it for you. Super cool. I heard him on, uh, or actually saw him on Dell Big Tree's Highwire show a while ago, and I was just blown away. There was a video of he and uh, Dell, you know, walking his property, and then they do this whole install. And they basically just took this land that was full of um, landscaping, like decorative plants, and turned it into literally a food forest. It's just absolutely insane and so cool. And I've wanted to do this for a long time, but. I just the learning curve, you know what I'm saying? Like who has time to 
learn how to be a permaculturist. I definitely don't because uh, I got to you know, make a living to have the yard in the first place. So Jim uh, is just a very knowledgeable guy, just a sweetheart, super cool dude who's on a mission to help people become um, you know, food independent, basically. And I think especially in the times we face with shortages and shipping containers and just all the mess in the world right now uh, on the heels of the pandemic, it's just like, dude, I don't know. The food thing, I don't, I don't get too paranoid about things, but when you see the shelves empty in stores and prices as high as they are and just having an understanding of the fragility of our supplies in general and and just society in general i think we've been lucky over the past you know 51 years of my life that nothing too crazy's happened in uh, the united states at least right you have social unrest and wars and just complete chaos and destruction in many other places in the world but we've been sort of sheltered from some of that uh due to the the nature of um you know of this country and the successful people that have built it and so uh that's why i'm really excited to kind of in a non-paranoid way talking about i think maybe one of the most important parts of prepping and um for any kind of emergency or disaster and that's like having calories on deck you know what i mean uh, i was in the la riots in the early 90s and i got just a taste of what it's like when society breaks down and stores are closed and being looted and uh you know, there was a curfew, you couldn't leave your house. And it's like I was starving um, all back then, to be honest, I just ate beer primarily. But um, at any rate, I saw how quickly things can go wrong, right? And then right before we moved to Texas, there was the snowpocalypse, uh, wherein people were kind of stuck in their homes and all the food was gone out of the stores. And we, we came just on the heels of that and heard stories from our friends who were already living in Austin. And I just thought, man, you know, if things go sideways, which they very well could, um, I would love to have some food growing. So that's a very long, uh, you know, lead into next week's episode. But as I said, I'm just so pumped about this one. And uh, it's probably about a 90 minute conversation. And I just think right now it's a really valuable one to have and one I'm very excited to share with you. So that's next week's show with Jim Gale. And uh, tell you what, man, you've got my commitment to just keep the hits coming here. If you're enjoying these episodes, as I always request, um, you know, support the sponsors if it works for you. Buy an ozone machine if you want to, but more than anything, like just share these episodes with people that you love. I meet people all the time that, you know, well, not like when I'm at the grocery store, for example, but. Let's just say when I do an event or something, oh, I love your podcast. And I always ask them how they found it, of course, because I want to keep people finding it. And most of the time people say, oh, a friend of mine turned me on to it. And so when you guys share the show, just know that it works. It gets out there and that helps not only me keep this thing going with you know more listeners, more awareness and downloads, but also just supporting the guests we have on. I mean, you know, people like Micah and next week's guest, Jim Gale, these are people that have found their mission in life. And most of the people, dare I say, probably all of them to some degree or another, have made their life's mission a service to humanity and uplifting all of us in various ways. And so I love supporting these people. You know, I don't know how many podcasts uh, Micah's been on. 
sure he's been on a few. Hopefully this is one that's going to get him some attention and educate people on ozone. So I benefit, the guests benefit, but more than anything, I mean, like with today's show, you might have someone that's, I don't know, suffering from, um, you know, a chronic like GI infection or has parasites or um, dysbiosis or, you know, there's, there's so much low hanging fruit when it comes to what ozone can do. And there's probably, well, not probably, I know there are millions of people out there in the world that don't even know what ozone is. You know, they think it's like the ozone layer from the, from the uh, environmental propaganda in the eighties or something. I don't know, maybe the ozone layer was getting hurt, but that's the first time I heard the word ozone was like, oh, the ozone layer, we're all going to die by 1995. And then, you know, here we are. Uh, but I think that, uh, you know, things like this are just so critical for people to uh, become aware of. I mean, they really can change lives. And so every time you share the show with a friend and turn them on to a new meditation teacher, or spiritual teacher, or plant medicine shaman, or biohacker, or scientist, or all the different types of people that I have the pleasure of talking to on the show, you're you're really doing a service to so many people all at once, not the least of which being the person you share it with, obviously. So with that, I will close and thank you so much for your kind time and attention. If you're hearing my voice at the very, very end of this episode, you are officially a super fan. And for that, I love you. Mm-hmm.